The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today we conclude our message that we began yesterday on the topic of zeal. We find this topic mentioned in Romans chapter 10. The first thing we need to understand about Romans 10 is that the salvation under consideration there is not eternal salvation. Rather, it is a salvation that comes through believing and trusting the gospel message. Many in the world today think that trusting and believing in the gospel message is prerequisite to eternal redemption. But the truth is far from this. There are many of God's children who have never heard or never will hear the gospel. And yet we're told in the book of Revelation they are out of every kindred and nation and tongue and people. But there is a great blessing to hearing and believing the gospel as we see in this passage. Paul was concerned for this type of salvation for those Jews who were going about to establish their own righteousness. He tells us they had a zeal of God, but it was an uninformed zeal. It wasn't according to knowledge. Yesterday we began to look at that issue of the uninformed zeal, and today we conclude this study by looking at the kind of zeal that we ought to have for spreading the gospel message. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul, I worship Your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. 
see in a minute I think we can look back to the fifth chapter of Romans and see some parallels but let's read here it says but the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down from above or who shall descend into the deep that is to bring Christ again from the dead but what saith it the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now before we go any further, I want to go back and look at these verses. But notice, here is a promise that they will be saved. But again, we ask the question, saved from what? Is this a pathway to get to eternal heaven is this something that they have to do in order to have their sins put away we've already seen that this is a group of people that have already been born again this is people who have a zeal of God and Paul says Paul says here I have I'm praying that they might be saved and here he says if you'll do this you shall be saved and the question is saved in what way saved from the ignorance of trying to serve God in the wrong way, saved from going about to establish your own righteousness. Let me ask you a question here. Just pretend, I know most of you don't believe this, but just pretend for a minute you do believe that you've got to establish your own righteousness before God. How much comfort does that bring you? (laughs) Think about, okay, I, I didn't get it right today, but I've got to do it right tomorrow. I've got to do better, because if I don't do better... I risk going to hell. If I don't add up some more righteous acts and try to get those righteous acts uh, uh, in in a pile greater than those wicked acts that I do, then I'm risking going to hell. That does not comfort me at all, especially when I look at Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, and he says, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. (laughs) I mean, that means that Anything I do is always tainted with sin. I mean, you may do some righteous acts. I've done some good things in my life. You have too, I'm sure. It's just like giving to the church, you know. I try to give to the church. And I'm not going to go out there and broadcast how much that I give and not going to tell you about it, but I sure wish you knew about it. (laughs) See? Isn't that something? Isn't that the way we are? You know, I'm going to give an anonymous gift to charity. And, and boy, that's big of me, right? And that's the thing I should do. But deep down inside, I really want you to know about it. <laughs> There's that part of me that just really wants you to praise me for what I'm doing good. Anytime I've done anything good, Brother Mackey, it's always been tainted with some kind of thought like that. Oh, if they could just see me now. I'm sorry, Lord. I, you know, I, I, keep, I repent over it and it bugs me but, uh, that I do it, but... Uh, But that's the way we are. And that's why he says our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. The good things you do are no better than filthy rags in his sight. So if you pile you up a big pile of good works, guess what God sees? Filthy rags. He's not interested in filthy rags on his altar of eternal redemption. You know, the only thing that's efficacious 
for the salvation of God's people on the altar of eternal redemption is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. Plus nothing. Notice what he says here, though. Let's go back and look at this. In verse 8, for lack of time, he says, But what saith it? He's talking about the word of righteousness, the righteousness which is of faith. He said, What is it to, that, that we need here? He says, The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. I want, it's no doubt that Paul here is calling for a response from these zealous Jews that were going about to establish their own righteousness. Beloved, there's a response that God wants from us when it comes to the gospel message that, 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 that Jesus Christ paid the sin debt for his people. And this is the response that he, he wants. He wants us to believe that. And, you know, believing is an exercise of the will. I understand the Arminian world out there teaches us that you've got to believe in order to go to heaven. Well, here I'm reading about some people that are already going to heaven, but they don't believe. They're going about to establish their own righteousness. What does Paul say about that? He didn't say, well, we're fixing to condemn them to hell. He says, no, I want them to be saved from that. That's a timely salvation. That's a gospel salvation. I want them to speak that word that is Guess what? Already in their heart. See, this isn't a dead alien sinner. This isn't someone with no spiritual life. This is someone who's been born again. And he says the word is already in your heart. This word that he's talking about, what word? The confession with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord. He said, if you shall confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that the God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. In other words, there's something already in you. There's a faith that's already been implanted in the new birth. We're told that faith is a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. It doesn't come from within you. It doesn't come from education. It doesn't come from the preacher. It doesn't come from somebody witnessing to you. It doesn't come from reading the Word of God even. It's something that comes only from the Spirit of God. And that word of faith is already in your heart. And, and instead of going about and trying to put yourself into the mix about eternal salvation, and saying I've got to do enough good works or I've got to make enough right decisions or I have to choose him or accept him or pray a prayer put all of that aside and simply just believe that he is the end of the law for righteousness that he was raised for the dead that he died for your sins and if you do that you'll be saved <laughs> saved from what? from all this labor and all this work that you're under now, this burden that you're under trying to work your own way to heaven. See, this is what Jesus was talking about over in the 11th chapter of Matthew. He wasn't talking about eternal redemption. You remember what he said? He said, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Notice that he narrowed down the scope of the audience. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't say, all you dead alien sinners out there, Come to me and I'll give you life. That's not what he said. He said, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Who is it that's laboring in this world? You know, the, the, the unregenerate is happy in this world. I haven't seen a pig yet that didn't love the mud of the pig pen. But I don't like it because <laughs> I'm not a pig. Sheep don't like that. 
You see, that young, poor, prodigal son that went down there, away, that's not a story about someone going down to the pig pen and getting born again. That's a child of God who had dwelled in his father's house already. He was already his father's son, and he had gotten away and apostatized from where he was. He had gotten away from his father, and he ended up in the pig pen. And by the way, that's where you'll end up too, child of God, if you leave the father's house. But he came to himself, we're told, while he was down there in the pig pen. He wasn't satisfied with what he was getting. He wasn't satisfied with the food he was being fed. And he remembered what he had in his father's house. Praise God. There's something in us as children of God that will always remember what we have in our father's house. And it was up to him to act on it and get up and get back up there. But he was always his father's son. That wasn't about someone becoming a child of God. That was about a child of God that slipped off down there and got in trouble. Jesus said, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. What is he talking about there? I believe he's talking about those that are laboring in the, under the sin curse of this world, having to deal with the sin curse that's out there outside them and also the sin curse within them, the burden of sins upon them. The heavy laden are those who have experienced the burden of their own sin. That's something only a child of God knows. That's something only one who's born again experiences. I've told you this many times before that you can lay a thousand pounds of weight on the chest of a dead man. He won't feel anything. You lay that weight on a live man. He'll feel it. These are living. Those who are born again. They're spiritually alive. He says, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. That's not eternal life because those that are laboring and are heavy laden already have eternal life, but they need the abundant life. They need the rest that he talks about there and over in the book of Hebrews, the fourth chapter said there remaineth a rest under the children of God. But that rest is conditional. That rest is conditioned upon you being faithful to the church and coming in and being faithful to, to study your Bible and being faithful to pray to him and trusting that he has paid it all. And that you're not trying to work your way to heaven. Verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I believe that's another way to state what we read in Romans 5 and verse 1. Where he says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace toward God. Because those are the same terms there. Righteousness and justification are interchangeable. Believing and faith, belief and faith are interchangeable. And here he's just basically saying again, with the heart we believe unto righteousness. With our, in other words, if we have faith, we find ourselves justified in the courtroom of our hearts and minds. Remember, you've got to ask yourself what courtroom we're in when you talk about justification. You know, if it's courtroom, if it's, if it's justification by grace, that's the courtroom of heaven. That's where only the blood of Jesus justifies, plus nothing. But if you're talking about justification by faith, that's here and now in the courtroom of our hearts and minds. And that's where we'll never be satisfied. We'll never feel ourselves to be justified until we trust that Jesus has paid it all. Of course, we also talk about justification by works, don't we, over in James. We, we preached on that already some time back, but you remember justification by works occurs in the courtroom of men's opinions. How do I know you're a child of God? By how you act, by your works. You're justified in my mind by your works. How do you know that I'm faithful? It's by me acting faithfully. That justifies me in your mind. But be that as it may, notice that 
with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. You know, there's been times in my life where I've been very ashamed. You know why? Because I wasn't trusting God. When I get out here and get down in the mouth and all depressed and woe is me, and my wife, if she were here, could tell you all about those times. <laughs> it's, I know I'm a burden to her because there'll be days and days where I'll just be moping around because things aren't going my way. And I think, oh, it's just terrible. Woe is me. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Those are days I'm not trusting the Lord. Those are the days that I'm not believing in my heart. I'm not believing on him. And you know what I feel about those days? When I get through those days and come back to a point where I trust him again like I should, I feel ashamed. But if you'll believe on him, if you'll just trust on him daily, you won't be ashamed. Notice he's not talking about eternal hell. He didn't say whosoever believeth on him shall not go to eternal hell. Eternal hell is not under consideration here. It's our experience in this life. If we'll trust him, we won't be ashamed. For there is no, different, no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's that salvation again. Now, I don't want to belabor it, but if we're going to rightly divide that, we've got to ask ourselves what kind of salvation is under consideration. All you've got to do is go back to the top. He says... I'm praying that they might be saved because they're ignorant of God's righteousness. They've got a zeal. They've been born again. They just don't know what they have in Christ. Saved from ignorance, you see. Saved from going about in a burdensome way to establish their own righteousness. Now, as we bring this to a close, you remember we talked about zeal at the beginning. They have a zeal of God. There's a little more about zeal here that I want us to leave us with. I want you to notice Paul's zeal. It's a little different kind of zeal. You remember what he said at the very beginning? He said, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel, to God for Israel is that they might be saved. In other words, I have such a zeal to share the good news of the gospel with these folks that have already been born again because I want them to experience the same rest and comfort that I've experienced. I mean, that's what the gospel means, good news. That's good news. Now, I'm telling you, it's not good news for me to tell you that you've got to do something to be saved, but it's good news for me to tell you that somebody's already saved you. See, that's good news, and that gives me rest. If you tell me I've got to do something in order to be saved, then I'm going to be struggling the rest of my life making sure I was sincere enough or I had enough fervor in my heart when I did it or I kept on keeping on and we ought to do all those things, but praise God, it's not in order to get to heaven. Paul said, I want these brothers and sisters of mine to know this, and beloved, notice his zeal. He was always displaying this kind of zeal for those Sheep of God that were lost out on the hillsides of Judea there. They were struggling, still trying to work their way to heaven. He wanted them to know the truth of grace. Well, as we close this out tonight, let me ask a question. What about our zeal? What about our zeal? Well, he kind of deals with this in, beginning in verse 14. Notice in verse 14 here he says, How then shall they call on him? in whom they have not believed. And 
In other words, right after saying, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, whoever trusts in him will be saved from this, uh, this worship through ignorance of going about to establish their own righteousness. But then he says, how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. In other words, Paul is leaving us with an admonition here to be zealous to spread the good news of the gospel. He's saying here that, uh, uh, that in order for these who have already been born again to come to understand that they've been born again and that they can rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we need to go preach to them. We need to go preach this good word to them. You know, I, I realize some of our Calvinist friends believe that, uh, that every single elect child of God will hear the gospel at some point in their lives. Because if they don't hear it, they never were an elect of God. They never were a child of God. And so, I was talking with one not too long ago, a few years ago now, actually. And um, he asked me the question, you know, he said, so if you believe, which I do, that there are untold numbers, millions of children of God that have never heard the gospel, and yet they're born again, and they'll be in heaven apart from hearing the gospel, he said, then what purpose is it of going to preach? What's your, what's your impetus of going to preach? And I just tried to turn it back around on him. I said, well, let me ask you a question, because he believed that God would get his gospel to every single elect child of God. He said, if you believe that, so what if it's, you know, Super Bowl weekend coming up and your team is playing and you want to you wanna be there to, to watch them on TV or go to the game or whatever, but God puts a burden on you to go to Africa and preach the gospel. What's the impetus for you to go? What's the incentive for you to go? Because you can just say, well, I really feel the Lord burdening me to go preach over here, but... If he's got any people there, God's going to get somebody there at some point anyway, so I'm just going to stay home and watch the, gospel, uh, watch the, uh, watch the uh, Super Bowl and let somebody else worry about that. You see, the way he believes, God's going to get it to him regardless. The way I believe, there may be some sweet little precious born-again child of God over in the hillsides of Africa or, or New Guinea or South America or just around the corner somewhere here who may never hear the great news, the good news, that Christ has paid the sin debt for every single one of his people if I don't go preach to them. They're going to be in heaven one day because they're chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world and born again by the Holy Spirit. But if I don't go preach to them, they might not hear it. You know, that's a great incentive to me to want to preach every chance I get to every child of God that I can find I can't identify them, so I just preach to everyone. <laughs> well, you remember the parable of the 90 and the 9 over in Luke chapter 15? There was 90 and 9 in the fold. There was one out on the hillside. And that one, for that one, the shepherd left the fold and went out on the hillside and brought him back. And you know what the summation of that was? Jesus said... There is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repenteth as opposed to 99 faithful ones. In other words, 
when one of those little sheep out there that's wandering around hears the gospel and confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus did pay it all, there's rejoicing in heaven. There's not people being added to the roles of heaven, but there's angels and others up there rejoicing that that one here in time came to see that Jesus was their only hope of salvation. Beloved, we ought to have a Paul-like zeal for God's little sheep that are out there lost in the mountains of this world. I appreciate your kind attention tonight. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.